Well, good morning, everyone. It's a joy to be here and to study God's Word with you. We are going through a sermon series called The Gifts of Crisis, where we are learning and discerning what God would have for us in this season of pandemic. The first week, we learned the gift of being poor in spirit and how God can bless us when we are empty by filling us up with more of him. Last week, we talked about the gift of communal lament, that actually it's when God's people cry out that God enters into the story. And when God enters into the story, we learn that his name is compassion. That God's primary response in crisis is compassion. And after last week's sermon, I got this wonderful note that I wanted to share with you. It says this. To the members of St. Andrew's, my 60-year membership at St. Andrew's Church has always been a comfort to me. It's a wonderful feeling that the church still considers me part of their family. Thank you for remembering me and so many others like me with your lovely flowers and prayers. May God continue to bless the church. Jane Ryan. What a beautiful note from Jane to remind us that St. Andrew's truly is a place where acts of compassion are happening. And of course, Jane, you are part of our family, and we're so blessed to have you. With that, this week, our topic is going to be the gift of silence. How do we learn how to hear the voice of God in the midst of pandemic? With that in mind, would you turn with me to John chapter 10? I'm going to pray, and then I'll read the scripture. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come that you would make your word a living word, that you would speak to us and that we would hear your voice. Lord Jesus, we need to hear your voice now more than ever. So come, teach us, have your way in us, open us up, humble us so that we can receive your word. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. John 10, starting at verse 1 through 14, says this. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeepers open the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used figures of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said it again. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. 
All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and they will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal and destroy and kill, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not know does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and ru- sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Very so often you may hear me say the words, and God spoke to me and said. And that may cause some Confusion for some of you, I can remember sitting in church and listening to a pastor said, and then God spoke to me and said, and wondering, how did God speak to the pastor? Did he use an audible voice? What was the way in which God himself came down and spoke to the person that was saying God spoke to them? And I had this question for many, many years, and then I became one of those odd people that I used to wonder if they were legitimate. And I began to say, God said such and such to me, and I realized that I had made this journey, this journey of beginning to hear and discern the voice of God. And when I say things like that in church, I know because I was one of you that some of you are out there wondering, how is it possible to hear the voice of God? Now, when we do general Christianity together, meaning that we come, we try and read our Bibles, we try and show up for church, we try and be in community with each other, we get baptized, we um, spend time in fellowship. All of those general Christian things are good. But Jesus, in this passage in John, says that there's more than just general Christianity out there. Jesus says that it is possible to know his voice and to discern his voice, even amidst competing voices, that it is possible to know his voice and to understand that he is calling his sheep by name. And so I want to spend this morning teaching on something that I have learned and something that I believe is so important if we want to move on from just a general Christian experience 
and into a passionate relationship with God. And I want to use a specific metaphor this morning. It's a metaphor we should all be familiar with. We've all had experiences of one or another where we've been out camping and it's getting late. And so the concern becomes building a fire. And there's three real steps to building a fire. The first is to create sparks. The second is to add kindling. And the third is to add logs that will create a bonfire. And so if it feels dark and you cannot really hear the voice of God, I'm going to encourage you first to think small, to think about sparks. The very first thing you need to know if you want to learn how to discern the voice of God is from Matthew 6, 6. It says this, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The invitation from Jesus is to go to a secret place, to go to a place where no one can see you, and it's just you and him, and to begin to pray. Dallas Willard says something very profound about who who humans were created to be, and it has to do with this intimate relationship with God. He says this, You, whoever is out there who is listening, are an unceasing spiritual being created to live in friendship with God forever. You see, God desires intimacy with you. God desires to spend time with you in friendship forever. That is what you were made to do more than anything else was to be an unceasing, unperishing, eternal being that learns how to walk with God in friendship through all the days and years of your life and beyond into eternity. But how do we really distinguish God's voice from our voice? Well, one of the best stories for thinking about discerning God's voice is a story about Samuel. It was when he was young, the young Samuel was ministering with the old priest Eli, and one night they fell asleep, and they were there in the house of God, when all of a sudden the young Samuel is woken up by the hearing of his name, and he goes to Eli, and Eli is pretty much blind, and he says, Eli, did you call my name? And Eli has no idea what he's talking about, and he tells Samuel to go back, and then it happens again, and then it happens again. And the third time, finally, Eli realizes what is going on. And so he tells the young Samuel to go to where he heard the voice of God in the inner sanctum and to ask this question, or to say this statement, to say, speak, Lord, your servant 
is listening. So here are some basic steps for creating sparks with God. Go, get alone by yourself. And, to, and just say this simple statement that Eli told Samuel to say, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. And then don't force any agenda. Don't bring anything other than just your listening ear to God and see what happens. Now, one of the things that will happen, as promised in John 10, is that you, like Samuel, might hear your true name spoken by God. So last week we talked about how we can discern the character of God's name. God's name is compassion. But now we're discovering that Jesus says that when we get alone in a secret place with God, that what we discover is that God knows our name and desires intimacy with us. He knows our true name, who we really are. He knows our character, and he, of course he does because he made us. But one of the things that will probably happen when you discover that God knows your true name is that you feel challenged, convicted. Because God can't have relationship with the false version of you. God doesn't desire relationship with the pretense or the projections of who you are that you put out in public. The things that we all do in order to earn love and to cultivate some kind of community or fame or feeling of attention or love. But one of the ways we might illustrate where we go wrong is to think about this modern phenomena on our phones of filters. So hopefully many of you have seen a filter before, but if not, you know, all of our phones have this incredible ability to take pictures. They take high-definition pictures, a phone like this would do. But that isn't enough to just even capture a scene with high definition. Now our phones come equipped with editing devices where we can shift the picture and make the picture look more beautiful and we can play with the lighting and we can crop things to make them and warp them to make them look even more pleasing to our eyes. And I wonder if God, when he sees us playing this little game of filtering, is going, are you serious? Like, my creation is not good enough. You can't just enjoy my creation. You have to take a picture of it. But not only if you take a picture of it, because maybe you just want to remember the moment, but also you take the picture, you manipulate the picture to make it look more pleasing to you, and then you put it on your social media, and then people like this fake picture that you created, and somehow out of that you feel like you have garnished some attention or love. And that's a metaphor we could use for, even if we don't do a lot of editing on our phone, for the fact that we all have this version of ourselves that we project out into 
the world. We have things we learned in our childhood. We have woundedness. We have things that have told us that what we need to do is create a false self that we can put out into the world and gain the attention that we love. But the problem is, let's say we're really ambitious and we're striving and striving to get to career goals. And then we actually get to those career goals and we get some attention and some acclamation for that. Well, it only lasts for a little while before we feel like we need to top ourselves and to continue going so that we can garnish more love and attention. You see, this love and attention is contingent on our performance. And so if we get love and attention for our performance, that the pressure becomes to always endlessly top ourselves over and over and over and over again. And the next one has to be better than the last one so we can get more attention. And all of this is a projection of our false self. But when we get alone with Jesus, he speaks our true name. He desires real friendship with us, the kind of friendship that is developed and fostered one-on-one when no one else is looking, when there's no need to perform, when you can be yourself, sweatpants and all, with the one who made you. And is saying your name, is saying come, learn who you truly are, discover your true self, just like he did for Samuel. And the way that Samuel can understand that it is God's voice is because it has the character of God. One of the ways that we learn to distinguish from our voice from God's voice is that we learn from the Word of God who God is. And as we study the Word of God, we discover the attributes of God. And so God would never come to us outside of the attributes that we've learned about him in Scripture. That God's voice is always consistent with his character. And so if we're trying to discern if it's God's voice, we might discover that there's a thought during our prayer time that doesn't sound like the world. That it doesn't sound like all the other competing voices Jesus speaks of. These other voices that come to kill and destroy and to manipulate. I love how Dallas Willard talks about sin. He says that sin is ordinary, boring, the same. That one of the things that happens when we hear the voice of God is God begins to unlock our uniqueness. But the voice of the world wants to fit us into a mold. Like when we start filtering our pictures, we're always trying to filter them in a way to make them look like all the other pretty pictures that are out there, whether it's pictures of a body image or pictures of the adventures that we're presenting to the world, whether it's the pictures of our home life that look like the pictures that others are projecting into the world because they have it all together. We're all trying to filter in order to meet some kind of standard, some kind of mold that's been 
placed out there. In fact, there's only a few different styles of filter, and they actually apply our pictures, the images that we have into this mold, and standardize us and say, this is the way that the the world is going, the culture is going, and your job is to fit in, become standardized, just become one on the assembly line. But Willard says that no two saints are the same. That people that can hear the voice of God become their true selves, their true, their true individuals. No two saints look like the other. They all have these unique characteristics. You see, God made us short because he wanted us to be short. God made us tall because he wanted us to be tall. God made us from the ethnicity we're from because he wanted us to be from that ethnicity. God gave us our gifts and talents because he wanted us to use those gifts and talents. God gave us our shortcomings because he wanted us to be in the place that we are in our limitations. They all make us who we are. We cannot fit into the mold of the world that is driving us into some kind of standardized evil that reduces people to objects and says their only values if they fit in to this mold. No, the voice of God comes and says, I know you and call you by name. You are unique and wonderful. And God, the voice of God says, I want you, truly you, your true name to be manifest in the world. Henry Nouwen puts it this way. He says, Solitude is listening to the voice that calls you the beloved. It is being alone with the one who says, You are my beloved. I want to be with you. Don't go running around. Don't start to prove to everybody that you're beloved. You are already beloved. That is what God says to us. Solitude is the place where we go in order to hear the truth about ourselves. It asks us to let go of the other ways of proving, which are a lot more satisfying. The voice that calls us the beloved is not the voice that satisfies the senses. That's what the whole mystical life is about. It is beyond feelings and beyond thoughts. You see, in a time of crisis, in a time of quarantine, there is a gift that is given. It is the gift to be alone with your heavenly Father. To slow down. To stop. To stop striving and performing. And to remember that you are beloved. That you are his beloved and that friendship cannot be taken away. Quarantine can't take it away. In fact, God forces us into our prayer closet in the quarantine. He's saying, slow down, be with me. I am here, ready to speak more to you about who you are. And we need these moments of solitude so that we can remember what our Heavenly Father's voice sounds like. And in that, the prayer is that you would start generating some sparks. That you would have this 
intimacy with Jesus. And out of that intimacy, some sparks would begin to fly. Let's make it simple. How do you make some sparks? Well, one of the things that I like to do is to pray the prayer of examine at night. This is a short five-minute prayer. You can look it up on YouTube if you'd like. They have guided prayers on there. And the prayer of examine is just spending time at the end of the day with Jesus. And you begin by remembering the love of God, the affection that God has for you, And then out of that, you begin to go through your day with God and you try and remember the moments where God had shown himself and the moments where you did not feel the presence of God. And then you begin to pray through how in the next day you're going to try and spend that day with God in his presence and to pursue the things that he wants you to pursue. Now, if you do that, if you go to your prayer closet and you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, and then you do your best to remember that God loves you, calls you beloved, and then you go through your day and you analyze where God has shown up and where you need God, then you will end up generating some sparks, and those sparks will begin to fly. Now, not every spark may land on some kindling, But as you move from the spark phase to the kindling phase, you want to make sure that you're maintaining whatever God is speaking to you in the secret place, that you take that out into the world to the best of your ability. This is what Paul is talking about when he says, pray without ceasing. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, that once you get these sparks in your prayer closet, then you go out into the world and you're trying to, as you go throughout your day, to stay connected to God, to stay connected to the things that you were speaking to God about in your prayer closet and stay open to what God might do or say. You saw in uh, chapter 10, verse 15 of John, Jesus says this, just as a father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the, I lay down my life for the sheep. And you can remember in John 15:5, he says, "I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing." And so the whole goal of intimacy with Jesus And learning to hear the voice of God is that you cultivate that in this secret place with Jesus. But then you move out into the world and the goals to stay connected. To stay connected like Adam and Eve did as they walked through the garden in friendship with God. And God may give you some guidance, but that guidance needs to be vetted out in the real world. And so one of the things you want to do is to go into a discerning community to develop a few trusted friends that you can share with them. This is what God is saying to me. I feel like God is moving inside of me. Can I run a few things by you? Can I hear what you think about what I believe God is saying? And you trust their advice. You trust um, their prayer life. And you trust that they have 
your best interests in mind and so they can help you to discern, is God speaking to you? As we hear the voice of God, we need to become intentional listeners. It's so important that the people of God learn not just to speak, not just to fill the noise, I mean fill the air with noise, but to learn how to hear each other and hear God and to perhaps hear God through a friend or somebody in the community or a a mentor or a a godly mother or father, somebody speaking to you the words of truth that can help you to discern. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about how pastors should learn how to listen. One of the biggest struggles uh, for pastors is that they are so frequently called on to speak that they forget that they need to listen first if they want to offer anything of value to the community. He says it this way, The first service that one owes to others in the fellowship consists in listening to them. Just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of a love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. It is God's love for us that he not only gives us his word, but also leads us, lends us his ear. So one of the things that God gives us is he listens to us. We have the ability to listen to each other. And anybody who really wants to get some kindling, to see those sparks that were developed start to catch flame and, and to make a fire, is to go out and to see, okay, I'm listening to the people around me. What are they saying about me? What are they saying to me? And what is God saying to us as a community? And you will discover that there is an alignment, that there's a confirmation that takes place. You might hear the same themes repeated in two different areas. This week, as I was planning this sermon, I had the experience of this type of alignment, this kindling that can happen. As I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking about this illustration of a bonfire, and then there was a new song that came out, a worship song called The Voice of God. And the first line in the new song that came out by this guy named Deontay Goldstein is, I hear the voice of God in the crackling of a bonfire. And now we can kind of chalk that up to coincidence or we can say, okay, God, I feel like you're trying to speak something, that there's something to this message for people that you desire for them to hear your voice. So Peter, do whatever you can to help people to understand how they can discern the voice of God and become who God wants them to be, to help them to understand that they are known, that he knows his sheep and he calls them by name and that they are here this morning to learn the voice of God. What a gift the voice of God can be. You know, Mother Teresa used to wake up every morning and the first thing that she would do was to say, Good morning, Jesus. 
because she wanted to dedicate her whole day to being with him, to spending time with him, and to discover him wherever he may be throughout her day. As we listen, we discern. I can remember before my daughter Glory was born, we were having a lot of trouble and went some serious difficulties in between um, having Remy and wanting to have another child. And I was speaking at the homeless ministry sack lunch and I was preaching on Abraham chapter 18 where Abraham welcomes in the angels and when he's welcoming in these strangers and shows them hospitality, he discovers that one of them is potentially God and the others are his angels. And he learns that because they tell him, these strangers that he welcomed in, that he's going to have a child, even in his old age. And I remember preaching that and It was in the midst of a time where I desired that, that I wanted to have another child, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be possible. And then somebody from the homeless ministry who was listening to the sermon stood up and said, Peter, you are going to have another child. And that came as a great comfort to me, that God was affirming this desire in me that I would have another child, and the way that I was being led was actually within the will of God, and so I should continue to pursue it and to not be discouraged. You know, these, this kindling, this confirmation, this alignment is like a long-distance runner who is thirsty and takes a small second to get some water and to drink and to be nourished so that they can continue on the long distance run. These are the signposts and the encouragement from God. Yes, you are on the right path. Keep going, keep going. The kindling is going to turn into a bonfire. You know, one of the other major stories in the Bible where somebody's name is spoken by the good shepherd, is the story of Lazarus. You remember the story that Jesus stands outside the tomb of Lazarus, who's been dead for some time, and he yells his name, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out of the grave. That Jesus calls us by name, and by calling us by name, and it's an invitation to come out of the grave and into a resurrected life with him. So whatever grave rut, discouragement, hopelessness we encounter and feel, and we feel like we're in our tomb, that God is saying our name, and we need to be reminded that God is saying our name, and he's saying, come out of the grave and walk through the gate into my pasture of abundant life. This is the gate that you can walk through. All other gates have come to steal and destroy, but this one, this gate, if you walk through it, you will find life abundant. 
And so once you are like Samuel and like Lazarus and you discover that Jesus calls you by name and you learn to hear his voice, then you can start adding logs onto the fire. And that as you add logs onto the fire, you become passionate about the things of God. He begins to stoke that fire in you. And then this is what will happen. That people will come to warm themselves by your fire. They will be attracted to what you have. That is what the church gathered in community is meant to be. It is meant to be a place where we have met Jesus in our secret place. He is beginning to speak to us. We go to the community to discern if God is truly speaking and then we come together to have a bonfire where we are strangely warmed by the people around us who have encountered Jesus in the most intimate recesses of who they are. I recently had the experience of going from sparks to kindling to bonfire in a fun way in my community. I live in Lomita, California, and for the longest time when I was there, I'd pray, God, this may sound weird, but I'd be, God, can I have a good coffee shop? I love coffee. I don't want just Starbucks. I want some of that good premium stuff. And that might seem like a selfish prayer, and I kind of did a little bit kidding, but I just had this desire that was in me. And then one day I noticed this new coffee shop in my town, and I, of course, was there, so excited about it. And we were playing, my son was there, and we discovered this little Bible on the bookshelf. And I wonder, oh, I thought, wonder if the owner of this coffee shop is Christian. Well, I didn't think much of it until I was in my office in prayer one morning and I just felt the experience of the presence of Jesus. And then I just felt like he was saying, go to this coffee shop today and tell him, tell the owner of the coffee shop what you've been learning about contemplative prayer. And so I said, okay, God, I feel like you're telling me to go to this coffee shop. I have an inkling that the coffee shop owner might be a Christian. And so I was a little hesitant. I wanted some confirmation. And so I decided instead of just going to the coffee shop that I'd go for a run around the coffee shop. And as I was running, I just really felt God saying, go inside, go speak to the owner of this coffee shop. And so I went in after some prayer, and I said, I don't know what's going on, but is there the owner of the coffee shop here? I would love to speak to him. And so I went, and I spoke to him, and I'll never forget his face. He just looked like I was a crazy person as I told him, I feel like God told me to come here and to talk to you about contemplative prayer. And he looked a little confused. He looked kind of quizzical, But then he started saying, well, did you know that I started this coffee shop because I want to help people to do the spiritual disciplines? And one of those spiritual disciplines is contemplative prayer. And we began to talk and then we discovered that out of our conversation that in fact we had been inspired by the same pastors 
and the same writers. And then, in fact, the coffee shop was named after a C.S. Lewis quote. And that this coffee shop called Corridor Flow in Lomita was actually created to bring renewal into the city of Lomita. And so God has brought this friendship about with the owner, Noriel, of this coffee shop in my community. In fact, we're going to do an intense Bible study coming up so that we can learn how to be and bring renewal into our family life and into our workspaces and into our communities. And so we can see how God began with a spark and then moved into some kindling and some even strange conversations on some kind of wild goose chase that then led to what I'm praying is a bonfire where people will come and to learn and to grow in renewal and that we will foster that in us so that we can bring it to the community. The voice of God will fill you with purpose that you didn't know that you had. It will answer questions about who you truly are. It will bring you out of the grave and into new life. And it is worth pursuing with everything that you have. It is worth risking and trying. It is worth going by yourself and spending time with Jesus to just see, is it possible that he may speak. I pray that you would do that this week, that you would ask God to speak to you and to sit and to listen and that you would learn to hear his voice. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, speak. Speak now. Show us who you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Even as we sing, Lord, would you speak? to us. Call us by name. Move us into life. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.